Turn up your dial. It's here. Town Talk. The Hudson Valley's trailblazing talk show. Asking the hard questions. Seeking the truth. Interviewing community leaders. And bringing you federal, state, and local news. And now, to our radio command center where we've made contact with our favorite hosts, Assemblyman Carl Brabadek and County Legislator Tom Fettione. friends and welcome to another edition of Hudson Valley Town Talk. We are here at the Crawlcast Studios in Westbrookville, New York, and uh, we are glad that you are all joining us today once again. This is your favorite assemblyman, Carl Brabenick, and I'm here along with my great co-host, Tom Faggio, Tom Orange, Faggio. Orange County Legislator, the Orange County Legislator from the 13th from District. Lucky 13th the District. The lucky 13th District. That's very important <laughs> to note. Yes. So uh, we got a busy schedule here today. A lot been going on uh, the past couple of weeks up in Albany and also here locally uh, in Orange County. Uh, a lot been going on with the vaccines and the pods. Um, you know, Tom can give us an update on that. Uh, on the county level, our county executive, Steve Newhouse, has been doing an awesome job with that. And uh, along with his staff, the emergency management staff, the Department of Health, all of our, our um, you know, our great agencies and, and departments in Orange County. But, you know, also uh, we are battling up in Albany uh, with um, a lot going on with the governor. Uh, we have um, uh, the budget coming up uh, this week, actually. Today is uh, March 28th, 2021. And this week we will be hopefully finalizing the um, 2022 budget for New York State, uh, which um, when you take a look at the one house budgets and and what's been proposed, it's uh, pretty much a nightmare again for New York State. Uh, we're also looking this week uh, potentially to pass a bill which will legalize recreational marijuana in New York State. I believe we'll become the 16th state in the nation to um, legalize that. Um, I have some issues with that, along with some other people, and uh, we'll be talking about that also. And then uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the election process, too, going on in Orange County this year. 
Man, we got a lot to talk about, Carl. A lot of stuff, I know. Well, let's get started, Carl. You know, you talked about things going on up and around in Albany. Let's start up in Albany, then sure. let's work our way down. How's that sound? We can totally do that. Because you're home right now at CarlCast Studios. Yes. But you got to go back up there, bro. I know. I have to go back up there tomorrow. Um, we're going to be in session uh, this coming Tuesday and Wednesday, definitely. And it could go past April 1st. Uh, so everybody that listening out there knows you have to have a budget adopted by April 1st. That's when our fiscal year in the state starts. Um, you know, we haven't heard much about it past the, um, you know, one house bills that we've been doing. Um, the assembly does a one house bill. The Senate does a one house bill. What that means is uh, those are their proposals on what they'd like to see in their budget or now, in the one, final budget. One house bills, but also each house, one party bill. Correct. One party because the Democrats control both houses of the legislature. So this is coming from a Democratic uh, viewpoint. Um, and also we have a Democratic governor and he had his proposal way back in January. So now you have the three men in a room or like, now it's the two men and one woman in a room uh, that are deciding what's going to be in the final aspects of the final product of the budget that's going to be voted on hopefully Wednesday or Thursday. And this is almost like a, a it's the gamesmanship. Let me show you how much money I can waste. Yeah. And the other person says, oh, no, no, no. Let me show you how much money I can waste. Absolutely. You would think, because we've been talking about this for the past year with the COVID pandemic and shutting down the economy. I mean, the state's in huge trouble uh, without the federal bailout, where we're looking at probably, you know, anywhere from 12 to $15 billion in a shortfall. So you would think that, you know, the two houses or the leaders of the two houses of the legislature and the governor would work together and go through the budget top to bottom, see what's not working or what's wasteful spending and cut that, um, you know, make some positive priorities as far as education is concerned and, um, you know, infrastructure, fixing our roads, you know, doing uh, public safety. Those are all, those should be big priorities in our state, which I really don't see that happening. Um, and, you know, what I see is you're not looking to spend the money wisely and try to save taxpayers money. What you're trying to do is tax more to what you're already getting. And, and the federal government, as you mentioned, they're sending a boatload of money. Yes. You know, the last time a boat, a ship came to New York City, Governor Cuomo didn't have any use for it. Sure. I think we're talking about like $12 billion that they're uh, giving us, the yeah. federal so government. A huge so, ship is coming in yep. with piles and piles and piles of federal tax money sure. to bail out a, a state for who for years has mismanaged its own operation. Exactly. So instead of saying, hey, you know what? This is an opportunity for us to right the ship, be smart about how we're going to do things. They're not going about it that way at all. Correct. Correct. And New York is just simply not run like a business. If it was run like a business, we would be out of business, like probably within two months. Well, you know, one of the biggest out of business is all the people that are leaving New York because of the way it's run. Correct. Correct. We've lost over a million people in the past 10 years wow. to other states. Um, we may have a net gain, a slight net gain, but that's because you have, you know, births and, um, you know, maybe, you know, you have do, you do have people moving in, but. But more people are moving out than you're generating. And because of that, we're not keeping up with the other states in the nation as far as population growth. So we're going to lose congressional districts and why that's very important to know when we just did the census. They're going to be studying the numbers. They're going to be allocating 
all of um, the United States House of Representatives um, seats all throughout the nation. There's 435. And we're going to lose one to two seats, New York. And we've been historically losing seats since the 1940s. So what that means is the less seats you have, the less money you're going to get back from the federal government. And what happens is that money goes to other states, Texas, Florida, you know, all these states that are gaining, Tennessee, um, the Carolinas, they're all gaining population. So they're going to see more money coming their way to, um, you know, from the federal government uh, to help their populations or their increasing populations. We are losing population. So um, we're going to have to make that up in our budgets, whether it's the state budget, the county budget, the local budgets. And what does that ultimately mean? Yeah. The end of the day, that means you, me, and everybody, we're all going to pay. Yeah. And they're going to lie. And they'll mm-hmm. say, oh, it's the rich that are going to pay. It's right. the big corporations that are going to pay. But what happens when the rich move out of New York? Well, someone else has got to pick up the slack. You know it. And Absolutely. And I'll tell you what. And the idea of the taxing corporations and going after big business and stuff. It always comes down to us little guys. We're the little guys that always get stuck with it. You want to see proof? Go to the gas station right yeah. now. Go to the gas station right now and tell me that, oh, the prices are lower now than they were six months ago, a year ago. Exactly. So, but anyway, so you got your hands full up there with that budget. And, and no, I, don't, I, know. I don't envy you, man. I don't envy you. But I know you're up there and you're fighting against all the wasteful spending. And I know you're always looking after us up there. No, we are. We are. We're... Um a strong Republican conference. We have about 43 members of the conference. Um, you know, we are given these bills usually at the last minute. We have a wonderful staff that goes through all of these bills, picks out cherry point, you know, or cherry picks the, uh, um, the, the valid points of the bill. And we take a look and we make our suggestions and we say, look, we're the minority. Um, it's very hard for us to pass any kind of legislation without bipartisan support, which we usually or almost a hundred percent of the time do not get from the majority. Um, so what we do is we give our suggestions. We say, look, look at the preview of upcoming events with this. Your proposal is not going to work. Maybe this is in another state that it is, and it's not working in another state and you want to, uh, you know, propose it here. And we show the details. We show the facts of the matter. And uh, it just gets passed anyway, and which is which is amazing to me. And then the governor signs it, and then everything that we typically have said in debate comes true. And it always happens, absolutely all the time. And it, it's it's discouraging at times. You would think, you know, if somebody tells you don't do something or or relook something because there's a danger ahead, you know, that should give these people some pause, you know, but they, it doesn't. And we're talking about grown adults here. Sure. We're not talking about teenagers who you tell teenagers and kids four or five times, don't touch the hot pot, do your homework, you know, be prepared. Don't make dumb mistakes. Don't do stupid things because you're going to face the consequences. We're talking about grown adults who've been freely elected. Right. And they don't, they don't seem to understand. They don't look, you know, you and I, we talk strategy all the time. It's all kinds of stuff. It can be local politics. It could be just our podcast. Sure. You know, we do, we prep for the podcast. And that being said, you know, we prepare, okay, what, you know, you're going to talk about this. Okay. Where's it going to go? And in Albany, it's just like, let's open that checkbook, take more from the taxpayers. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. Let's pay for this. Let's pay for that. Let's, that's crazy. And it's going and not just, you know, you're not just pouring more money into 
the budget through taxpayers. You're putting them toward the wrong priorities. Like we've seen um, chips funding stay stable for about the past seven, seven or eight years. And what chips is, um, it's the Consolidated Highway Improvement Program. This is money that goes back to your towns. This is your taxpayer money. It goes back to the towns and the cities to help repave the roads, to make sure our infrastructure is okay, to help fix culverts in the roads um, so there's not flooding. You know, And this is necessary stuff that government should be working on. And every community in Orange County, I could speak for Orange County. Sure. Every community in Orange County has someone represented at meetings when this chips money is discussed. Yeah. Because there could be a community in eastern Orange County that has a culvert problem sure. that they need to work on. Or here in the town of Deer Park, we have a you know a road that needs some paving. Mm-hmm. And so each municipality benefits from that program. And that's a program that probably isn't even on the lexicon right now of the governor and some of his henchmen. Sure. Exactly. And it, again, it's stable this year. It's not, you know, something that um should have been increased over the years to help keep our infrastructure in place. I, I've visited other states and seen how their roads are. Their roads are pristine, you know, and even places where they have the harsh winters, you know, their roads are pristine. They keep up with their roads. Here, it's not done. Our local people do the best they can with the money that they have. Uh, but, I mean, if you take a look, let's say, for example, on in Orange County, Route 84, how about Route 84 between exit one and exit two exactly. going westbound or eastbound? How many times in the middle of winter? And listen, winter pot, potholes come. Sure. Nobody's not going to say can't we're going to. But you know what? When the pothole is bending rims and causing people to go into the snowbank or into the side of the road, well, there's a problem there. Exactly. And, and it takes almost an act of God for the state to come down and say, oh, maybe we should fix that hole. Yeah, I know. It's it's incredible. Like we get calls every spring in my office about potholes and damage to the roads and roads that haven't been paved in years. Route 84 is one example. The good news is on Route 84, some good news for a change. Uh, New York State DOT is finally going to be paving the section from Port Jervis to Middletown. That's going to be happening uh, later on in the spring. They're going to start that wow. project, which is a good thing. Uh, well, but, you know, something that's been sorely needed for a long time, and we've been complaining a very, very long time. I can it. attest to that, Carl. I know people have called me and asked me about the highway, and I said, listen, you need to get in touch with Carl. And they've called me back, and they said, man, Carl and his staff are on top of it, and they're uh, they're going to keep the pressure on the state yeah. DOT to get that done. So Absolutely. So, I mean, it's statewide. We're talking about state roads, local roads. All of this needs to be fixed because when you fix this, a good infrastructure means economic vitality and economic development. Well, you just you just talked about it there. That's the role of a good government. Right. The, right. The role of a good government is to encourage development, economic development, and, and, and better communities. Right. You can't go in and force communities to get better. But if you make it more easy mm-hmm. for people to get to that community, to want to live and thrive in that community, economic prosperity going to happen. It's going to happen. Things are going to move in because you need the right tax structure, which unfortunately we do not have. And you need good infrastructure. And you're going to see economic development occurring here um, in a big way. You know, we're seeing Legoland come in, which is wonderful. Um, You know, and this is a a priority of the county and the state, which is great. It's going to bring tourism dollars in. And that's that's a wonderful thing. And that's where, and and the word taxes, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I always get a little, oh God, the word tax always scares me because- no, where, where, where do some people come up with these ideas of taxes? In the national scene right now, the new 
Secretary of Transportation was talking over the weekend mm-hmm. about proposing a mileage tax. Yeah. Were you crazy? That's craziness. I mean, that, absolute craziness. That is the essence of a, a big time politician who only looks in his big city mm-hmm. and says, well, I don't know a lot of people that drive cars and all they do is go from here to here. It's no big deal. Yeah. You come out into the rural part, the rest of America, come to the rest of America and you'll see that a mileage tax is an, a tax against everybody. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's absolute lunacy. But that's, that's, this is a kind of situation you have where people just come up with these ideas for taxes sure. and more taxes. And, and Carl, you know, you talk about the budget, but there's other crazy stuff in play up in Albany right now that includes more new taxes. Sure. No, I mean, this is the problem is a tax and spend mentality. They want to spend more of your money. And when there's not enough, they want to tax you more. They think if you make any more kind of money or you make more money in the long run, that um, you should be taxed more if you have a higher income. Now, that's you know? cr- that's crazy on the surface. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Albany's up there. I don't want to say the hold my beverage, but I think in Albany right now, the, the line is hold my beverage. Because the, the, the budget's one thing. But, Carl, you know, we're going to talk about a subject now that might be a little dicey for some people to under, want to entertain. But it's, it's going on in Albany right now. And that is that the state is considering legalizing marijuana. That's right. Um, There is a bill that has been out there for many years. It's um, uh, pushed in the assembly by the majority leader right now, Crystal People Stokes. And um, she's been pushing this bill for quite a number of years to legalize recreational marijuana. Um, It really never saw the light of day. Uh, Up until 2018, Governor Cuomo was against the bill. He said there's no way in hell that this bill is going to pass. We are not going to do recreational marijuana. We can use it for medicinal purposes. Um, You know, if someone needs it or they're terminally ill, um, needs it for, you know, epilepsy treatment or or any of these other treatments uh, where it could be beneficial, uh, but not for recreational use. Because once you start with the recreational use, you start with, uh, or you create a lot of new problems as far as drug usage and, and health concerns and um, just just negativity, you know, and and what, you know, we're, we you talked before the we, we started this podcast today and talked about the pros and cons. You know, we're talking about adults right now making adult decisions, but the ramifications of adults making adult decisions also impact young people. Absolutely. They do impact young people. And this is One of my, has always been one of my major concerns with this bill. Unfortunately, it looks like it has the votes to pass. Um, They've introduced it uh, yesterday, Saturday, uh, March the 27th. Um, Usually a bill needs three days to age. So that means by Tuesday, when we're back up in Albany, uh, it should be ready to go. And I believe they're going to be doing this as a separate bill and not part of the budget. Uh, which is surprising because usually they would have, you know, tied it into the budget as a policy um, statement. But it um, uh, looks like it is going to be a separate bill. Um, so I'm just warning everybody out there, this is going to happen. They have, if it hits the floor, that means they have the votes to pass it, the majority. And the governor is ready on board to sign it. I know that um, as of Saturday, uh, the governor and the speaker and the Senate majority leader have already come to a compromise agreement on this bill. Um, so it looks like this thing's going to happen. Now, there was an article 
in the Times Hall record, uh, which was today. Um, it says New York lawmakers will vote on a bill to legalize marijuana within days, clearing the way for the state to become the 15th state to permit drug uh, permit the drug for recreational use. Governor Cuomo and leaders of the state Senate and Assembly announced a three-way agreement late Saturday on a plan to legalize and regulate cannabis products for use by those over the age of 21, completing a deal that had been on the edge of finalization for weeks. The agreement was formalized, or formalized in a bill introduced Saturday night, clearing the way for a vote as soon as Tuesday or sooner if the governor decides to waive uh, the otherwise mandatory three-day waiting period. Legislation is expected to pass the democratically controlled legislature, and the governor has pledged to sign it into law. Now, here are the highlights, or some of the highlights, of um, what we have seen so far that is in this bill. It's called the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act. Um, New York will launch a new state office of cannabis management, to oversee the marijuana industry. So they're creating another office, which means... The pot boss. Right, which means more commissioners, more employees, more salaries, more benefits. So there you go, more spending. Licensing growers and sellers and even clearing the way for cannabis lounges where customers can use marijuana products on premises. So people can start up a business, uh, have a a smoking lounge. um, And then now you see here also... There are um, conflicts with this. Um, there, you see, you know, uh, smoking tobacco, which has been a big taboo a, now. A big taboo, and uh, you know, the state government has been going against that big time for the past few years. Um, you know, you can't smoke indoors, cigarettes, but you're going to be able to smoke in certain shops, marijuana. You know, so I'm just saying, there's a. It seems very arbitrary and it seems very conflicting there, but um, it does uh, license growers and sellers. So now growers and sellers are going to have to apply for a license, which means what? Well, there's another fee. There's another fee. And another level of bureaucracy. More bureaucracy. Exactly. There's going to have to be the inspector is going to have to come out and inspect the grower who's paying the fee to be able to grow this on their farm or in their backyard. And if farmers now invest all this money into this, but the state doesn't like what they're doing, they can shut them down or they can revoke their license. Just like a bar owner with the SLA, if something happens with, um, you know, alcohol the um, or, or an incident at the restaurant, you know, the SLA can come in and take away the uh, liquor license and virtually shut down the business. So there you have it there. Uh, once approved retail marijuana sales, which would likely be a year from now. So in 2022, we would start seeing the sales of retail marijuana. Um, it could be a year or more away as the state gets its regulatory structure up and running. So now you're talking, let's start a whole band of new regulations for this. Um, this would be taxed at 13% sales, 13% tax on marijuana. With 9% going to the state and 4% going to local and county governments. Okay. Now, each year or each New York resident, this is another highlight, over the age of 21 will also be permitted to grow up to three mature and three immature plants at their home at a time with a maximum of six mature and six immature plants per household. 
according to this legislation. Um, criminal penalties for public possession of less than three ounces of marijuana would be removed, and those with prior convictions would see their records automatically expunged. So those are some of the bigger highlights. You're talking about a 13% sales tax on top of any retail sales, what the cost of this product is going to be. So right there, that's going to raise the price substantially of any kind of retail products. You already have products out there on the black market. Marijuana currently is. On Marijuana the black is on the black market right now. It's illegal. And if you can get the marijuana for $5 rather than $15, what are you going to do? Well, I mean, in the economic equation, the answer would be right. That. Exactly. So you actually could have an increase in the crime rate because you're doing this. So we'll see what happens. But these are the highlights of the bill. So. You know, you hear from a lot of people and this is like a 50 50 subject. You know, people are like, oh, you know, it's just marijuana. It's just like um, alcohol. Um, you know, what's the difference? Uh, you know, this should not be illegal. Other states have legalized it. You know, that kind of argument. But, you know, like I said, this is a 50-50 issue as far as people um, looking at it. There have been a lot of organizations that have come out against this bill. I mean... Do you have do you have that list, right, Tom? The the admin the, the 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 groups and organizations that have come out against legalizing marijuana in New York State are across the compass, including uh, doctors, I mean, the Medical Society of the State of New York, the New York State Neurological Society, the American Academy of Pediatrics, county health officials across New York State. Um, so on that side, you have you know health healthcare professionals coming out being against this. Law enforcement clearly the New York State Sheriff's Association, and the New York City PBA, Police Benevolence Association, have come out against this. And here's the biggest one. And this is one that, Carl, I know that touches for you. You know, your father, you have some young kids, is uh, the New York State PTA. Yeah. The PTA has come out and said legalizing marijuana is the wrong decision right now. Parents and teachers. Parents and teachers coming out saying that legalizing marijuana, bad idea. It is a bad idea. It's a bad idea for our youth. Governor Cuomo agreed. In 2018, he said, he hell did. no. Absolutely. And what we're doing as grownups and as legislators, we're supposed to be role models. We're not being role models because voting for this bill, you are basically saying, you know what? Yeah, it's at 21, but you know what? It's okay to do it. Yeah. We're, we're saying that's the general statement. By making it legal, you're saying it's okay to do it. Absolutely. That's exactly the statement that'll come out when the Democrats in Albany want to pass this. I know this for a fact. I heard it with my own two ears in a public meeting. A local elected official, Democrat, came out and said two years, a year or two ago, I can't wait for this to become legal because we're going to tax the hell out of it. Yep. So it's all about money, it's all about taxes. They could give two craps about your children. Absolutely. They want to see more money in their pockets so they can spend it on more ridiculous garbage up there. Yeah. It is sad. 
Very, very sad. And Carl, you and I know, and, and there are plenty of studies out there that show, especially with young people, the use of marijuana has an impact on their minds in the composition of their brains. Their brains aren't fully developed yet. That's correct. You ask any health official, any doctor, any nurse, they know this fact. I mean, here's some some fast facts and sheets from uh, the uh, CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention out of Washington. Marijuana is the most commonly used illegal drug in the United States, with approximately 22.2 million users each month. 22.2 million users each month. Research shows that about 1 in 10 marijuana users will become addicted. They will become addicted to marijuana. For people who begin using before the age of 18, that number rises to 1 in 6 people. Marijuana use directly affects the brain, specifically the parts of the brain responsible for memory, learning attention, or learning and attention, decision-making, coordination, emotions, and reaction time. Developing brains like those in babies, children, and teens are especially susceptible to the adverse effects of marijuana. Eating foods and drinking beverages that contain marijuana have some different risks than smoking marijuana, including a greater risk of poisoning. Long-term or frequent marijuana use has been linked to increased risk of psychosis or schizophrenia in some users. And using marijuana during pregnancy may increase the baby's risk for developmental problems. So what is New York State doing here right now? We are creating another problem that we don't need. You know, we are increasing the problem because we have people that are using marijuana that it's obvious 22.2 million users each month. And that's around the nation. But why are we promoting this? We should not be promoting this. We should be discouraging the use of this. And I, Carl, I think that's exactly the point that people need to hear you know, as grownups, we are all free to make our own decision in how we want to live our lives. Carl, I'm the first person to say I'm never going to cast judgment on someone else on how they live their lives as adults. But at the same time, understand that what you do as an adult can be seen by those if you have children. And listen, we all know, Carl, right? Alcohol right now. How old do you have to be to, to buy alcohol? 21. 21, right? right? So therefore, nobody under the age of 21 can buy alcohol legally. Correct. So nobody under 21 ever drinks alcohol then, right? That's incorrect. No, well, it, it's 21 or above that can drink, so there's no problem, right? Kids, right. kids aren't drinking but it, But right? they still get it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's exactly the whole point with marijuana. If adults freely want to do it in their own private life, hey, listen, I'm not here to tell you whether or not you can and can't do it, but I'm going to tell you right now, if the state makes this legal, we're going to have to deal with a situation where young people are using this more and more, yep. and we're going to have to see the impacts of that. And that's number one. And number two, Carl, my other biggest gripe on this is on the law enforcement side and driving a motor vehicle. It's very scary. Yeah. The, one of the things that our police throughout the state are very good at, and sadly some of the citizens aren't, is that if someone's pulled over for DWI, there is a system in place in terms of the way that the law is handled. There's breathalyzers, there's blood samples. If you get caught drinking and driving, you're going to pay the price. God forbid you hurt somebody. Right. The impact of using marijuana and operating a motor vehicle, or how about this, Carl? The impact of smoking legal marijuana and then getting on a forklift if you operate a forklift in a factory. Correct. Or if you're a school teacher, 
or if you are driving a school bus, where where are we going to be able to protect people, innocent people, from the reckless actions of some others? I mean, here's some information from the New England Journal of Medicine. There about 33% of driving under the influence drivers are are they're high on marijuana. It's not alcohol, it's marijuana. So one in three pulled, one in pulled three. over for DWI. Mm-hmm. One in three is on marijuana. Correct. Wow. Even low dosage of marijuana affect your concentration, your perception, and delay your coordination and reaction time, which are skills that you need to drive safely. Marijuana can use it, uh, marijuana can make it difficult for you to judge distance and react to signals and sounds while driving. The effects of marijuana can last up to 24 hours after smoking it. And that's a fact. The fact, you know, after alcohol, marijuana is the most frequently found substance that was used in by a person that got into an automobile accident yeah. or a car crash. And that's going to be the direct corollary. Every negative impact that alcohol has with younger people mm-hmm. is going to be now you just say now marijuana. So we're adding a whole nother layer of something that's going to yeah. impact young people. And many teens, unfortunately, they use they do combined use, alcohol and marijuana. That can't be good. Marijuana and alcohol combined can increase your blood alcohol content level three times, dangerously affecting your driving ability. Non-fatality injured drivers, about 24% of those under 21, tested positive for drugs other than alcohol. And data shows that people who drive high on marijuana show the same lack of coordination as drunk drivers. This is really scary stuff. Because you may not be using marijuana. You may be just driving to the store to get your groceries with your kids or your family. And then you have some punk that's on marijuana that decides to get into the car and drive, loses the coordination and the ability to drive, and crashes into your car, causing injury or even death. Yeah. And New York is approving this, or they want to approve this. It's absolutely asinine. It is absolutely crazy. Um, You know, then you look at the health effects. The health effects again. Marijuana is the most used drug after alcohol present in the blood or, or present in the blood of an injured or fatally injured person. Um, a statistic from 2005, and now this is 15 years ago, and this is when none of this was legal around, um, you know, the country. 215,000 emergency room visits involved the use of marijuana because it affects your body in bad ways. It destroys your brain. It's not a good substance. Smoking marijuana leads to changes in the brain similar to the effects caused by cocaine, heroin, and alcohol. And marijuana smoke causes lung damage and contains the same cancer-causing chemicals as tobacco. Marijuana can lead, and this is important for our youth that are listening to this, marijuana can lead to increased anxiety, panic attacks, Thoughts of suicide and depression, especially in teens. And what are we talking about, Carl? We're in the year 2021. We are coming out of what was the, the, the most uh, life-disturbing moment for the mass population in America in history in terms of the COVID uh, pandemic, the shutdown, the, the imprisonment, if you will, of some people. Uh, and now all of a sudden, the state government, Governor Cuomo, who was adamantly against this until Maybe he got hit hard in the press and things aren't going his way. He says, oh, now I'm for it. And the impact of this is going to be felt throughout our communities, man. Absolutely. I mean, I had like, you know, you said before, 
and I've said it on many past broadcasts. I have two children in high school right now, and they deal with the peer pressure and they deal with the nonsense that goes on in the school about drug use and marijuana and alcohol use. And it's something that, you know, any teenager goes through. Uh, I went through it, you went through it, uh, and you have to make the right decisions. But by doing this, this week, legalizing this substance, you are encouraging it. I don't care what anyone yeah. says. You are saying it's okay. Mm-hmm. Because people that aren't involved with government, they say, okay, well, certain things are illegal. We can't do certain things. And the government decides what is legal and what is not legal with the lawmaking process. By saying it's legal, you're saying it's okay. That's bottom line. You know, and it's scary. I mean, you look at some more statistics here about, um, you know, our teens are the grades in school. Heavy use of marijuana ruins your ability to concentrate, retain information, leads to poor performance in school. Teen brains still developing, like we said. Uh, marijuana can mess that up. Teens who smoke marijuana are more likely to cut school um, and get on an average D averages in all their classes. Uh, you know, D, D to F averages. Uh, one survey shows that 59% of students using marijuana reported that they often forget what a conversation was about even before the conversation ended. So as we're talking about this, if you're smoking marijuana, you might forget what the heck we're talking about. It's crazy. After 24 hours of heavy marijuana use, students are not able to focus or to organize data. Your, de- your brain is still developing. We are, do, we are going down a completely dangerous road with this. I will vote no when this bill comes up. And, you know, I will um, talk about these facts that are in front of us, that have always been in front of us. This is why this substance has been illegal. We cannot go down this road. Unfortunately, I think the Democrats have the votes to do it. And, you know, we will make our case. And we will give them the warnings, but like other bills in the past, they have not heeded our warnings and they have gone forward and done it anyway. And then you see the problems that start after that. Well, Carl, one of the things I want to compliment you on is that, you know, you have facts in front of you and you have data in front of you. And I only hope that when you go back to Albany, that the powers that be in Albany will have a free and open dialogue and have a debate and hear those things and then come up with the vote. Sadly, Carl, I don't think that the other side is looking at it from this standpoint. I think they're looking at it from a cash grab standpoint. And once again, another heavy boot of government on the backs and necks of the citizens. Because that layer of bureaucracy and that level of taxation, they're not doing that because they want adults to freely decide how they want to live their lives. They're doing that once again to control people. Absolutely. And it's very, very scary. Absolutely scary what they're doing. And, you know, it it creates a slippery slope because, you know, 10, 20 years ago, there wasn't even a thought of legalizing marijuana. So what's next? Yeah. Well, they they always talk about drug, you know, cigarettes, alcohol, marijuana being gateway things, gateway bad habits, gateway drugs, if you will. Right. Now, when they've become free and accepted, then what's the next gateway drug? Right. And it's amazing to me that the same group of people, the same majority that have attacked the cigarette industry, the tobacco industry, have gone after vaping, have gone after all of these other products saying this is terrible for you. This is awful. 
And, you know, we need to make sure to raise the age on it. We need to make sure uh, to cut usage on it. Um, and they destroy those industries. But marijuana is okay. Yeah. It's- I, it doesn't make sense. You know, it's either one or the other. So it destroys their argument for this. And, you know, like I said, I'll be voting no when that bill comes up. I'm not apologetic for it. I just think it's going to uh, be very, very detrimental uh, to the residents of the state. And, you know, we've seen uh, in other reports here, uh, you know, other states have seen problems arise in, uh, in automobile crashes, um, you know, more. Uh, th- there hasn't been a, a decrease in crime. There's actually been an increase in crime, you know, and it, it's just a lot of states have done it wrong in their initial rollout. Um, I don't know whether or not we are following the same standards as other states, but um, that's something I'm going to look well, into. But may- still, it's not a good proposal. Maybe the governor and those that are running the Democratic Party that control Albany right now, maybe they can explain how in the last 10 years, a million people left New York and how making marijuana legal will bring a million people back. Because maybe that's what they're thinking, because it makes no sense to me, my friend. I agree. I agree. So we, again, will see what happens. But um, for those of you that are listening that are just beside yourself with this, like I am, um, there are ways that you can reach out. You know I'm already voting no on this. You don't need to reach out to me because I'm a solid no. But we have to try um, as best we can in a last-ditch effort to try to prevent this bill from coming to the floor. So one of the ways you can do that on my side of the or my side of the house in the assembly, the speaker controls the legislation that's going through. You need to call him. You need to call his office. Um, his number is 518-455-3791. So let me repeat that. It's 518-455-3791. And call his office. Um, I'll give you the fax number two, 518-455-5459. You can fax him as well if you want to fax him a letter. Tell Speaker Eastie, do not present this bill on the floor. It is dangerous for New Yorkers. It's dangerous for our youth. It's going to spiral us in a very bad direction. And we are already going toward a bad direction. We don't need to go further into a bad direction. So please do that. If you're listening and you want to take action on this. Well, Carl, I want to compliment you for taking the stand, number one, and not only taking a stand, but bringing the data before us today and explaining why you are making that move that you are. And I appreciate you for that because that's what we need in elected officials. We don't need people that on both sides that just follow the party line and jump into lockstep. We need people to do the research, to know what the facts are, and to see down the road the long-term implementation. Impl- oh my gosh, <laughs> we're both tongue-tied. See, we're so upset about <laughs> we're this very right now. Upset. The impact mm-hmm. down the road a decision like this will have in our communities throughout New York State. Absolutely. And Absolutely. especially the focus, and I like the way we talked about it, the focus on the young people. What message are we sending to our young people? Absolutely. So we're going to um, wrap up our uh, podcast soon. So our last topic is going to be about Orange County. Um, two things. Two things on Orange County. We're going to wrap ahead. Rapid fire. Two things real quick about Orange County. First of all, can't thank our staff from the Orange County Department of Health enough. 
along, of course, County Executive Steve Newhouse, but also our healthcare providers throughout New, uh, Orange County. Uh, we got Cornerstone Healthcare, and as well as uh, all the hospital foundations and 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 groups in Orange County. We got uh, Garnet Hospital Systems and Bon Secours and St. Anthony St. Luke's as well. Everyone really coming and stepping up. Real big, real quick, Carl. Uh, last two, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, Orange County itself, the Department of Health, vaccinated over 4,000 people. In two days, 4,000 people. The state of New York has been vaccinating over 1,000 people a day at uh, SUNY Orange in Middletown. Coming up this week on Wednesday, Orange County Department of Health will return to Port Jervis for dose number two. Over 1,100, I think it was 1,149 or 1,151. 1,100, over 1,100 people in the Port Jervis area receive vaccinations. They're receiving their second dose on Wednesday. If you haven't received your email by Tuesday night, you can give me a call, 845-551-5784. We'll make sure that you're set for Wednesday. But 1,000 residents will be free and clear with dose number two after Wednesday. I'm excited about that. Glad to be a volunteer and help make that happen. This is a situation where actually good governance is in play and doing good things for the people of our community. So that's number one. So if you haven't received your vaccination yet and you want to get vaccinated, get in touch with us. Call Carl's office. Call my office. My office my number's right there, and we'll get you all set up. So that's rapid fire number one, Carl. Yeah, and, and my, my phone number is 845-544-7551. The lovely Suzanne will uh, answer the phone and, uh, you know, get your information, and we will pass that on. Um, and we're working together with um, with Tom and with the county executive's office and trying to get people uh, the vaccines who want one. Yeah, and tons of volunteers throughout the county have stepped up, donated food, to the pods, the point of dis- distribution. So tons of people have helped out. And I, I just, I mean, if I start listing off names, I know I'll forget people, but I want to thank every single person in the Orange County area who stepped up and done real good work to help out their neighbors and friends. And we're going to get through this together. So that's number one, Carl. Number one. Number Let's two. Number two. So number two, of course, it's election season, right? It is. It's always election so, season. It seems like it. <laughs> and, and I tell you, you know, that's, again, New York State in its infinite wisdom. They really increased the election season. They they made it longer because it used to start around June because or May because you'd have to get endorsements and, um, you know, then you would go and do petitions. But now you have to do petitions in March. And we were doing petitions in March. That was a shortened Cold, uh, schedule. Windy, snowy, Awful. rainy. Awful weather. And you have to go out, especially now with this COVID crisis going on. You know, it's very hard to go door to door, you know, to talk to people. Um, you know, you have to make appointments with them to go see them at their house and have you have them sign your petition. And uh, we had two pretty much two and a half weeks or so of, of petition gathering. That time period was shortened. Uh, the amount of signatures was shortened as well by the state. Um, and now, you know, your election season basically starts right after petitions and Petitions uh, were uh, submitted by Democratic candidates and Republican candidates. They were submitted uh, this past week at the Orange County Board of Elections. Um, and there are just uh, races all about now. So, um, well, I want to just make, can I make a statement? Yeah, you can make a statement because you are one of those candidates. And Carl, first of all, I want to thank you for your guidance. You are my mentor. I look up to you in so many ways. Uh, and I'm here to say today that, number one, I'm very grateful to be Orange County legislator from the 13th district, which includes Mount Hope, Deer Park, and Port Jervis. And thanks to the great citizens in the Republican Party and in the Conservative Party, I have received endorsements and signatures from members in both of those parties. And it's my honor that I will be on the ballot this November as your Republican candidate for re-election 
and on the conservative line for re-election as well. Definitely. So I appreciate everyone for that. And we are going to have a great campaign. It's going to be a lot of fun. Carl, you know one thing. I like to talk, and I like to talk to people. You so, know it. So we're going to be. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and thankfully, with the vaccines and all of that, we're getting closer to where we can start getting our lives back in order, getting our lives together. And I look forward to going out there and meeting everyone that wants to meet me to talk about the issues that matter the most. We're going to do it here on the podcast. Yes. But we're going to hit the streets as well. And I'm proud to say on this podcast, Carl, that my reelection campaign's in full swing. That's excellent. That's excellent, Tom. And I know what we're going to do in a future podcast. We're going to talk to you directly and just see what have you been doing the past four years, four or five years as as our county legislator. You're the incumbent. And, uh, you know, um, you have, I think, my opinion. I know what you've done. You have a great record. And, uh, uh, you know, hopefully you will be re- I know you'll be reelected. I shouldn't say hopefully. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, we're going to do everything we can to get you reelected because you do a great job. Well, this you is do a very, very good. job. Well, I appreciate that, Carl. And one of the best things about being an elected official is the chance that we can. Number one, talk about what we what we've done. And number two, talk to the people about, you know, what what's the future like? And and as I said, right from the get go, when I first got elected, my my friends would ask me, well, what are you going to do for me? Mm-hmm. And I said, guys, how about this? How about I don't do anything for you? How about this? Let's let you be free. The more freedom that you have, the better prosperity that can happen for you. And the role of government is to be there when absolutely necessary. This vaccine is probably the living proof of good governance. But overtaxation and overburdening and regulations, which we see that the Democrats in Albany want to put down our throats every day, that's not what it's all about. So we'll talk about that. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk to a whole bunch of other candidates on the podcast as well from top to bottom, right? That's right. We're going to have uh, guests on Hudson Valley Town Talk here. And, um, you know, we're going to spread it out as much as we can. We'll try to hit some of the ones that have primaries first. Um, They're not too many, but there's some local folks that have some primaries in Orange County. So we will talk to those folks and then um, I'll tell you this, Carl, go from there. There's a buzz right now because people that I know are like, hey, how do I get on? When Mm -hmm. am I going to be on Hudson Valley Town Talk? And I think, I mean, we might have to, you know, I mean, there might be a bidding war. Yeah, there could be. You never know. know? It's our podcast, right? Exactly. And, you know, hey, we would love to have you advertise on Hudson Valley Town Talk. If you do have a business um, that only helps out uh, spread the word some more on uh, increasing our influence and increasing uh, the uh, listenership of this wonderful broadcast. And uh, we're going to keep continuing to get you great information every week as much as we can. Sometimes we take a couple weeks off or a week off, but we're going to be getting into the swing of things and trying to do it every week uh, to let you know what is going on. But again, thank you out there for listening. Please spread the word. We do have a Facebook page on Town Talk. Uh, Tell your friends and family to like our Facebook page. It's um, basically Hudson Valley Town Talk. If you put it on Facebook, it'll pop right up. And then you have all of our our podcasts that'll be on there. Uh, You can also find our podcasts on Tom Fagione's Facebook page and my uh, Facebook page, our political pages. Um, So please, you know, spread the word as much as you can. And... um, If you have an idea for a future show, let us know as well. And uh, we would love to accommodate that. Um, If you are a a person that uh, is involved with a non-for-profit organization or um, you want to talk about a special event, let us know. We'd love to have you on here and um, spread the word for you as well. So once again, 
Thanks for joining us. This is your favorite assemblyman, Carl Brabenick. And his buddy, Tom Fadgeo. <laughs> the great Orange County legislator. <laughs> and uh, we will talk to you next week. We, we hope you have a wonderful week, and we will see you next week.